struggling to come up with a proper introduction this week. Welcome to Hunter Pot. to episode 323 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome. Andres. Hello. And John Arnold. Hi, how's it going? John has already introduced himself once <laughs> because him, I, uh, him, Dan and me uh, have just, rec- no, him, Dan and I have just recorded um, Hand of Pod Extra before starting to record this episode. But now I'm going to ask him to introduce himself again because Hand of Pod Extra goes out to uh, only Patreon supporters and um, this one's going out to everybody. So, John, who are you and what are you doing here? I'm on vacation, only briefly now. I've been in uh, Buenos Aires and Uruguay for the past three weeks. I'm a colleague of Dan's at Goal.com, covering mostly Mexican football. Uh, Mexican national team is the priority, Liga Mekis, and I also do a fair amount of MLS coverage as well. Uh, mostly for Goal, but again, also for some local outlets in the United States. It's been a pleasure to be here. I've really enjoyed the time in Argentina and Uruguay. It's been uh, a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to chat a little bit about the uh, the football. Here. You've seen some football, right? I have. I saw River. I saw. I actually knew that, but I did it. You know, just nah, that's a great. That's a great. It's, it's a media device. You watch River now? <laughs> I went. <laughs> I went to River Defensa Justicia. Oh. I went to San Lorenzo Huracan, and then I had the fortune of happening upon a friendly between Peñarol and Nacional. The Clásico in Uruguay. Uh, so I said to myself before the trip that I probably wouldn't see much football, if any, and managed to see three pretty great games. So uh, all, all in all, I came away quite pleased. A lot of, a lot of movement, sorry, between Argentina and Mexico, even the, the MLS right now. With Piti Martinez, it's, it was Gonzalo, uh, Gonzalo Pires. Uh, Boca made an offer. He's also at Atlanta, I think. Actually, yes. this is really good as well because... It not occurred to me because well no it didn't not occur to me it was the fact that we didn't know until about an hour beforehand that you were going to be on John uh, but we've had a question later on about Miguel Almiron and of course we can give our side from Argentina but you can also fill us in on the last hour don't do it just uh, the last year don't do it yet but remind me because John might not actually be here for the whole episode so John if we stop recording and you have to go before this then remind me ten minutes before to skip forward and we'll ask that question first um, okay results oh bloody hell I forgot to bring the results up uh, of the Superliga the weekend just gone were as follows why is that from November give me the results from what weekend are we on 16 uh, Fecha 16 yes, yes thank you yeah. good here we go on Friday evening Godoy Cruz nil, Lanús 2 Banfield 1 San Martín de San Juan 1 Defensa y Justicia 1 San Lorenzo nil, which meant that Defensa y Justicia spent 24 hours joint top of the league or just behind Racing on goal difference mm-hmm. Um, on Saturday, Tigre 2, San Martín de Tucumán 2, Huracán 2, Rosario Central 1, Atlético Tucumán 4, Gimnasia y Escrima La Plata 1. Um, and as you will just have surmised from what I said a minute ago, Racing avoided defeat away to Aldo Civi, shockingly, somehow. 
Um, they won 3-1 in Mar del Plata. Uh, on Sunday, Independiente won, Tacheres won, Belgrano nil, Union nil, River won, Patronato de la Juventud Católica 3. <laughs> Newell's Old Boys won, Boca Juniors Sorry. won, and on Monday evening it was Colón 2, Argentinos Juniors nil, and Estudiantes de la Plata won, Beres Sarsfield 2. Um, we should, I mean, there were a fair few talking points. Um, here let's begin let's begin with the leaders uh, we'll, I think we'll, that's we'll do our normal yes. big five sort of roundup, but we will shut defensively with DCA in there just after Racing as well partly because they played the big five side but mostly because of course as I said they went joint top for a, a brief while uh, Racing won 3-1 which makes it sound quite comfortable but actually it wasn't at all comfortable for nearly all of the game was it? no it definitely wasn't comfortable it was a typical right we've come back after the summer break we're a little bit rusty and uh, we're going to see what happens kind of performance. Um, Racing were a lot um, down on their the usual performance levels. The kind of passing was all over the place. They let Aldo Civi get up in their faces. They took a few big hits early on in the game and kind of lost their heads a bit. Even Marcelo Diaz, who is pretty much God, I think we've all established since over this first half of the season showed that he, he is in fact immortal and made a mistake which which pretty much silenced the entire stadium if not the whole of Argentina I don't think anyone could believe it but you know they say the old cliche is the mark of a champion to win ugly blah 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 we saw it from Boca last season about seven times and yeah Racing uh, won ugly the first goal was extremely ugly um the um, unpronounceable Aldo Civi keeper just decided to boot the ball into Augusto Solari. The unpronounceable Aldo Civi keeper decided to boot the ball straight into Augusto Solari's gut. Solari took it and just walked it in. The second was a really infantile penalty as well, given away by Aldo Civi. Um, between that, Cristian Chavez had scored a Pretty well-taken goal, but which came from uh, another mistake from Marcelo Diaz. And the third goal came right at the end from debutant Dario, Dario Svitanic. After what felt like most of the second half, really, of Aldo Sibi chucking everything, including the kitchen sink at Racing. Yeah, I mean, after the 2-1, I think Racing didn't suffer that much. Aldo Sibi had chances, but... Not that, not kind of the clear cut chances they were making before. It wasn't clear cut, but I mean that's essentially because they're not very good. Um, well, yeah, but I, I did they're tryers, though. they're definitely tryers. Yeah, it, it, it was looking more likely to finish two two than three one for yeah. I thought at least most of the last quarter of the game. Yeah, uh, and then as you say, Svitanić finished it off with a goal on his debut, mm-hmm. uh, deep into stoppage time after coming off the bench fifteen minutes from the end. A very nice goal yeah. as well. Um, it was very well taken, yeah. It kind of, no, it's not going to make goal of the season, but it's just a very calm, assured, uh, pleasant finish to watch. Mm. That's how I did it. So, yeah, it wasn't the greatest game to see coming back um, after the Christmas, the summer break, but it's three points for Racing. Uh, I think, you know, a few of those jitters, it's always difficult to play after after your nearest rivals um, have already won. It kind of ramps up the pressure a little bit. Um, but they got through it, and 
uh, so Danish looked very good. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be fighting uh, Jonathan Cristaldo for a starting spot, definitely. Um, there were a few guys you know, we're going to need. Uh, Racing are going to need more from him if if they're going to follow this through. Uh, Diaz, obviously, I've got no doubt he's going to be back to his best probably as, as soon as this Sunday. Ricardo Centurion was... I think erratic would be the absolute kindest way to, to describe his performance. But, you know, with Centurion, he'll put in three good performances, one amazing and then one absolutely diabolical. So let's hope that we got a run of four good, uh, amazing performances coming. Yeah. So far, uh, yeah, three points ahead and, and we're comfortable. At one point, Centurion appeared to be injured. He was, he was a... Yeah, he fell over the ball. Yeah, uh, I almost felt bad for trashing yeah, him, and then it was like, no. Nah. Yeah, bit, as soon as I saw he was good, it's like, oh, no. nah, that was stupid. Who, sorry, but who do you prefer uh, the most? In, well, because Marcelo Diaz, now as you have, have said, I think for you and for uh, uh, almost all Russian supporters, is a god or well, he's the best player in the world. Uh, he's best than, better than Messi. Yeah, yeah. But no doubt. but Awed was. Someone similar to he to to, to that. Nah, you're not gonna, you can't compare Awed to Marcelo Diaz. It's like well, comparing was, Messi to someone was, who was just good. But there were people uh, at that moment praising uh, Awed uh, that much or similar to to, to Marcelo Diaz. Now, you, so now mm. as Marcelo Diaz is playing at Racing, you say well Marcelo Diaz is way, way better. And, no, Awed never had that kind of support. I don't know what Racing fans you hang around with, Andres. I'm very... Well, yes, I know that. Very suspicious of this. I think mostly no. you, though. Uh, kind of, I had a cult following similar to, to what Ivan Pichot had. It's like... I mean, he did one back heel that... But one back heel assist, and we talked about it for the next four years. Yeah. But I mean, kind of ironically, um, it's a different kind of, um, of relationship. But I, he's a good guy. Uh, you mentioned um, the fact that their nearest rivals had won the previous evening. I mentioned it as well. Defensive Leticia beat San Lorenzo only 1-0, which doesn't really do justice to how the game went. Um, nor does the fact that that goal came in the very last minute of, of normal time, because then there were three or four minutes of stoppage time afterwards, and they successfully held San Lorenzo out. But San Lorenzo had a... a an incredibly missed opportunity by, I think it was Torres, the, one of the Colombian guys. Uh, mm. That he had the ball there just to push it with his nose, with every, every uh, whatever a part of, the, of his body, and, and he missed it uh, incredibly because it would have been, of course, different match after that. Uh, then, well, there was uh, also the debut of Manetti. Well, he didn't do, do, do that well. Or, or he was he, sent off in yeah. stoppage time <laughs> right after the goal was scored. Or he had already made his debut. I don't remember, but Manetti, I, I, I mean. Uh, Monetti was signed in. He was either signed really, really early in the current transfer window. Oh. I think that's the case, no? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Or after? Let's see. Um. <laughs> well, if it wasn't his debut, it was one of his first matches, and yes, so was not his best, uh, uh, of course, presentations or performances. And uh, I think supporters will miss uh, Torrico in his best at his best times because. Uh, changing the goalkeeper and making make him making him uh, make his debut it's not easy of course. Um, Did not play against Huracan? Mastan, yeah? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, of course he played against Huracan, so yes. it wasn't his debut, but it yes. was uh, yeah that that was 
Well, I don't think he, he has just been signed. He's on loan, in fact. I've forgotten about that from um, Atletico Nacional. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. But the the performance, I thought, Defensive Noticia had the advantage, yes. perhaps, of already having played. Uh, but actually, no, it wasn't an advantage, was it? Because as we just said, San Lorenzo had already played the, the Classico as well against Huracan. So both sides should have been sort of going into this match fit, sharp, already one competitive game under their belts. Um, but defensively, Otisio just looked look far better, which shouldn't really be a surprise because they are. But one of the big question marks um, over the second half of the season, or this, it's not really the second half, is it? Because we've got 10 games of a 26-game season to go. So what's right. that, the last two-fifths of the season or something? Um, well, we've got someone here who's seen Defensive Justicia's last two victories in the flesh. Yes. Of course. Oh, no, not the... You've seen one. Just the one. Yeah. Um, what impression? Couldn't they win the title? No. I, I do think it might be difficult. Uh, I don't know a ton about them, but I was really impressed with how they play. Uh, the manager, who I know a little bit about, I um, think definitely has the team drilled well. I think they move the ball well. They keep the ball well. It can be very frustrating for teams, but I do wonder having watched the River game and then most of this game against San Lorenzo as well, if they have what they need in attack. The game against River was a set piece that sort of snuck in. After that, they were happy enough. I, I don't think it was necessarily an indictment on their attack that they didn't go for another. They sort of just seemed happy to defend the 1-0 on the road and I think in, a, that, in an important stadium. But, but I do wonder if that could be their downfall. I think that that was more than anything a consequence of, of being away to River, um, who for all of their disjointed starts to the team who, who have the talent to push teams back at least if not actually do very much with that pressure um, yeah, but they've got you know, two of the top scorers in the championship play for Defensive Odisia and they, they've showed against shall we say lesser teams that they can uh, put goals away when, when they need to so to give you some idea actually the bizarre I think they did against um, they have got they've scored 22 to Racing's 29 and Atletico Tucumán's 31 which doesn't They're sound great but it's behind, actually yeah. it's more than basically anybody else in the league apart from Independiente I I mean, think. you can't really compare them to a team that had either Lisandro López or Pulga Rodríguez no precisely right? yeah. I mean, it's just not a fair comparison with, um, with, with lower resources let's yes. say um, but yeah I mean it's going to be one of the big questions was are they going to come back for the summer break Still firing on all cylinders, or is this momentum going to have dropped? And I mean, it is so far. Yeah, it I mean, like they're going to manage to back to back victories against two of the big five. It's not a bad way to start the year. Mm. I think that against River, it was somehow unconscious or thinking. Well, River will of course push push us to the, to our box because they are losing and they they need to to, to first equalize and then uh, try to win. And we tried to, of course, uh, take advantage of the spaces they will leave on defense. And finally, they couldn't. Uh, in the entire second half, was played on their on their side. What River not having any idea how how to break the, the, that defense. But against San Lorenzo, they they showed their uh, image, another image, the the one they have been showing before, of playing m- much more uh, associated play and and uh, yeah, deserving the win. And the, that, I think defense injustices. I, we mentioned this uh, during last episode. One of those teams that could keep their squad or most of their squad, and they continue playing as they are used to. Of course, in San Lorenzo, who had a, a lot of new players with uh, some Colombians. One of the of them, the one I, I mentioned before, Torres, Loaiza, then the, the goalkeeper. Uh, well, 
a lot of changes. Yeah. Almiron that still can't get the team to play as he wants. So it's a big, big difference. And mm. yes, like you said, it, it should have been a 2-0 uh, and perhaps even more. We'll move on to River, who lost three times in a row now, all at home to begin 2019, um, all with largely second-string sides. Um, and I think why is it playing second-string sides? Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> why? It's kind of irritating. As you know, I've said several times on on recent episodes that I wish anybody at all, any of the Argentine clubs who might have the resources or who should have the resources, would just try for both competitions at once. But I mean. Not prioritising the league when you're in the knockout stages of the Copa Libertadores is one thing, but not prioritising the league when it's the only competition that's happening for the next like two months is another thing entirely. Um, it's curious. It's, it's just bizarre. Okay, Juan Fernando Quintero is, is injured. He's, he's out for... I think he's going to be back against Racing. In fact, they're, they're hoping in a couple of weeks' time, mm-hmm. um, which is a big blow, and you know, would be a big blow to any team in this league. Um, but even with the names that River had on the on the pitch, if you look at the starting lineup, it it should have been better than it was. Exequiel Palacios alongside Bruno Suculini in central midfield. Um, okay, Nicolás de la Cruz is, is no, and then to see, <laughs> but Rafael Santos Borre up front. The defence um, was a, a, re, a rare one or a weird one because yeah. it was the debut of Rojas, Robert Rojas, the hitman. Mm. Who's the other centre-back? Kevin, I think he's Kevin, Kevin Civile. Civile. Yeah. Kevin Civile. Civile. Who, who against Union oh. had shown... Uh, not the, his best, hmm. of course, he's a hit. But, but having said that as well, if you're going to, to send a, a debuting centre-back and a young and not especially good centre-back, it would appear, why was Herman Lux in goal? What, what am I missing? <laughs> what, what's going on with Franco Aramani? Yeah, he was, I don't know. I really don't know. He wasn't on the bench but either. Enrique Bologna was on the bench. Maybe Aramani's injured. He has know. no responsibility even, of course, not understanding the decision, uh, but that uh, the goals were magnificently defined, uh, finished hmm. by, by Avalos. Yeah, a hat-trick. The first player, the first away player to score a hat-trick at the Monumental um, since March 1988. Wow. And he was the substitute for for Moro Garcia at Gold Cruz. And now Gold Cruz is not scoring and Avalos, the the one who should have replaced him, scored three in a once. Of course, it was only his debut for Patronato. Or Patronato and the other, the name you mentioned of the club, Patronato. Patronato de la Juventud Católica. That well, patronage of the Catholic youth. That's I, I prefer to say Patronato because yeah. if if I say that River lost against Patronato de la Juventud Católica, well, I have to kill myself. <laughs> but uh, right, sorry, right, sorry. But yes, the, uh, apart from that, from the names that Gallardo uh, decided to 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 put in the in the in the match, uh, they were they were extremely slow. And they were uh, mm. not only not accurate with the with the ball. Uh, uh, if uh, Patronato would have been uh, more accurate in in the goal, they, they there would have been five goals. Yeah, or and six. It, it, it was kind of a weird one as well because most of the pressure, most of the shots that were going in were for River. It was kind of game management mm. in a way. Patronato scored early. He scored again ten minutes before half time after not really doing very much for the most of the time in between. It was all River. And then River let one in early in the second half as well. And it was just mm. like... It was those moments of switching off. Because if you look at the stats... Wait, is that right that River had a player... Had, sorry, Sam, for a second. On, yeah. Is that right that River brought on a player called Picasso? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. We've, we've talked about Picasso football, before. 
Have we? Yeah. I don't think I've been. He, he played a bit in the Copa Argentina and I think possibly in the Superliga last year. I must have missed those episodes. No, no, what? He, it's a very hard surname. He, be, to, uh, he was injured uh, during the, all the last last year. Hmm. He had, he had made, the, last he year. debuted in 2017 against San Martín San Juan in San Juan. Uh, he scored a goal okay, yeah. and after that he couldn't play anymore until now. So yeah. it's Is he an artist with the ball, can we say? Yes, that, yeah. that kind of thing. He I was not painting because I know that. Bit of an abstract, yes. Yeah, yeah we, we can only... At the moment, we've not seen that much of him, so we can only really talk about him in broad brushstrokes. But, um, very good, very we go. good. And so forth. Do you want to come out with anything, John? Any suggestions? No? <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just kind of... I mean, the stats, River had... Patronato had, like, three or four shots on target, and three of them went in. Um, so, and River were completely dominant in possession, yeah. in shots and everything. But, of course, the statistic that matters... It's goals. Yeah, there were a goal, a goal. The one I think it was the first one, the first one, yes, the opening of the score, in which I think the play was quite quite similar to the one that uh, Dan says about Marcelo Diaz, uh, because it was a bad a bad pass when they were going out from their side, and, and of course left the defense all uh, not balanced or, or very uh, not in their positions. Um, that made, of course, for the. I think it was Compagnucci, the one who who assisted Abbas yeah. with the clear finish, um, and that's of course a mistake. That if you are not accurate because you are you are well, uh, you are just you have just uh, played a, a match three days before, and before that you didn't have a, a very good preseason or short preseason and, and short holidays. All of the excuses you can make, but but then you give that that pass like Machado did. Well, that there are no possibility to, yeah, to to do something. I mean, uh, all all the team was weak, and and uh, you have to add, of course, the the debutants and the uh, kids that are are playing their first matches, and you have to wait for them. But apart from all that, there were incredible mistakes with the ball and passes that you say, I can uh, give that passes. No, no, a professional. Yeah, there, there was. There's a lack of. Uh, the, the, the Argentine or the, the Spanish Argentine Sp- Argentine Spanish that's the phrase I'm looking for word for it is, is like Sociedades there's a lack of, of of two players in the team playing nearby each other who both know what the other's going to do when they get the ball and, and who know which space to move into to receive a pass and whatnot because of the fact that they're playing a mix of a few starters mixed with a few guys who are on the bench normally for first team games mixed with a few kids coming in from the youth team so in a way <laughs> Marcelo Gacharado is right when he says, you know, the, the fans need to be patient. Unfortunately, they are patient because after what happened a couple of months ago, how could they not be? Um, yes. But, it, but in another way, it's, it's, as I said, it's really frustrating that they don't try and take it a little bit more seriously. Anyway, uh, we should move on. Otherwise, this is going to be a very overlong podcast. And we don't like those on hand the pod anymore. Oh. We used to, but not anymore. Um, Independiente versus Tacheres. In preparing to speak about this, I realise that probably because Peter's not been on yet this week, this year, um, we've kind of brushed over Independiente, who've had... They've done nothing, though, really. They're like no, mid-table no, no. I mean, on the pitch, best. On the pitch, they haven't. But I'm talking about this year, in 2019, because over the summer, there's been a bit of a Barney at Independiente. Uh, there have been players leaving and falling out with Ariel Olan, most notably the one who's just gone on loan to San Lorenzo, whose name I've forgotten. Um, no, not San Lorenzo. Oh, who is it? Leandro Fernandez. Vélez. Thank you, Vélez. And who's made a big thing about saying, you know, Ariel Orlando's 
they're not sold basically. Ancelotti, who went to Mexico, right? I can't remember yeah. which club. Toluca. 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 Um, yeah. Everybody seems to be falling out with Ariel Olam. Yes. And it showed, I thought, on the pitch on Sunday. It was a fairly dull game. Pablo Perez made his debut um, in midfield. Um, and it finished 1-1. Promising start. Silvio Romero scored a penalty, and I think it was the yeah the ninth minute. Um, but by the time Tachera is equalised with twelve minutes to go through Sebastián Palacios, I thought they deserved the equaliser, and not much else to say. Pablo Pérez, how how was he? He's all right. Mm. He, he shanked a couple of shots into Be- the stands because a lot of standard day. He only needed the yellow card because a lot of supporters. He didn't get booked. Wow. Oh. It's turned over a new leaf then. Oh, he did only play 60 minutes. So know. maybe if the full 90 had happened, then, then maybe. Several yeah, supporters uh, at the pre- preview of the match, uh, when the supporters were, were going to the, to the stadium and, and they were interviewed by the TMC, TC Sports, uh, the Paso a Paso TV show, they said, well, Pablo Perez is a special case because when, they, when he played for Boca, we used to insult him, but we want him in the team. Mm. So it is uh, uh, that, that player that you want him because he talks a lot, and of course you don't want when he's booked. Uh, you don't like it because when he's booked, but but uh, uh, experienced player that talks a lot and, and knows how to manage the the, the matches. Um, so it's it's special because or, or particular because. Play, uh, the supporters are, are glad with him or, or at least with his signing I mean come on yeah. let's get some perspective he's Pablo Perez he's not Maradona like you know. no, <laughs> no. let's calm down a little bit um, the other big five side were I thought that this was the best match involving one of the, one of the big five teams of the weekend it was a cracker uh, Newell's Old Boys versus Boca Juniors was a fantastic way to end a Sunday after what had actually prior to that been three um Leicester, okay, I mean, I can see, actually, from the neutral point of view, River versus Patronato was pretty funny. It was very funny. Um, but in terms of football quality, the first three games of the uh, of the day hadn't been brilliant, and this one was. Maxi Rodriguez um, making his third debut for Newell's Old Boys and scored a belter 24 minutes in to give them the lead, a lead which they, by and large, I thought just about deserved at the interval. Boca improved a bit after the break, and Dario Benedetto eventually found uh, the space, not very much space, but it was all he needed to put away a very smart finish for an equaliser um, and frustrate them. It ended 1-1. Uh, it could have ended 2-2 or 3-3. There were two cracking offside really goals from, from News. Yes, there uh, were. Bicycle kick from Mauro Formica. And a goal from Luis Leal, which pretty much came from a nice little game of head tennis. And fantastic. Was, was very, very unfortunate, it's, especially Luis Leal was very unfortunate to be flagged offside. It was correct, but it was correct. It, by was, like, very, it was like an arm or as a I shoulder. Right? At the time, it was like half of his knee was offside because of the way his leg bent while <laughs> he was running. And um, Rory Smith, uh, the New York Times journalist, has sort of gotten a bit of a high horse about this on Twitter recently and I completely agree with him and, and he about says Luis Leal? it's no no about offside it, it's, ah. it's, a, it's a correct decision um, when you see you know freeze frame and, and when Vargas used and everything it's always going to be a correct decision but this kind of thing is not really what the offside rule was invented for the offside rule was invented to prevent goal hanging yes so when you're flagging somebody offside because like one of their fingernails is just off or because half of their knee is just off um, it, it it goes kind of against the spirit of the rule and it means that you actually end up favouring the defender even though you're supposed to you know the rules always say it, the interpretation should favour the attacker as much mm-hmm. as possible 
the rule used to be, Dan and I will remember, and Andres will remember, and John, you're a bit younger than us, so you might not quite be able to remember. But back in the 90s, the rule was there to be daylight between uh, yes, and defender. Daylight. Now, as if any part of your body is, is offside. Yeah. Um, and, and so what Rory is saying is like he's not criticising the linesmen or the referees who give the decisions the, the rule is the thing that's broken it's not mm-hmm. the officiating and, and I thought that this was another good example of that because not just because it was a fantastic goal it's a pity because, because it just feels like that's the goal that the, the agent of Leal should have shown to the mm-hmm. team look <laughs> like Carrascal for example uh, that the agent uh, yeah Leal's never going to score a better goal than that that video no, let's be honest but if he scores a goal, so the video, yeah. <laughs> the video of the nutmeg, but not how he finishes. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, and there was a, a, more, a much more obvious upside at Tigre San Martin uh, de Tucumán. And in the, oh, okay. the equalizer I, for Tigre, I think the first equalizer, uh, scored by Hansen. It was a very good play also, but mm. he was clearly upside. And no one, no one flagged for upside. Huh. I haven't uh, seen that one yet. The, the other one, actually, that, that uh, we haven't mentioned was the chance for Boca, where they, they had a corner. I think it was after Dario Benedetto had equalised. It was a couple of minutes after that. They got a mm. corner and Benedetto failed to connect with a scorpion kick. Was that but, what he was like, trying to do? It, it kind just of just looked like he yeah. fell over. Well, I, th- I think he slipped as he was going for a header and decided yeah. to improvise. But it ended up, he was very, very close to connecting. Mm. And that could have been a, a really good goal as well. Mm. I um, thought he just flopped over like a dead fish, he, to be honest. I didn't, know you, I, I didn't see him going for a scorpion. He celebrated again mocking Montiel uh, with his tongue. There you go. Indeed. Um, oh yeah, he celebrated with yeah, sticking his tongue out, which is brave, brave. Yeah. Uh, considering what happened the last time he did that. You got to laugh at me a lot. He's never come across as a man who's particularly afraid of being mocked. So mm. there we go. Um, other highlights of the weekend: yeah, Pulga Rodriguez oh, shine yeah. Atlético Tucumán. What they were missing, and Atlético Tucumán also shine Pulga Rodriguez. Yeah, what exactly. he's missing. I was going to say, which should we talk about first? Atlético Tucumán beginning the. It's Luis going quite a logical order, I guess. Um, I didn't watch the game, but era. Yeah. Nor did I actually. Uh, with a four-one tonking, Fabio Almaris, the, the fantastic Fabio who spells his name with a V and not a B. Um, Leandro Diaz, uh, Jonathan Cabral. He spells his name with a Y instead of a J, but they've done it wrong. Oh, so he does. Yeah, you're right. Jonathan, or, or Jonathan uh, Cabral, and okay. Mauro yeah. Matos um, <laughs> scoring the goals. Two of those, Diaz's and Matos's, were penalties. Um, and Lorenzo Farabelli got the goal for Gimnasia. Gimnasia look. Awful. I mean, still crap. As I say, I didn't see the game, but I've seen the, the, the highlights afterwards. At least, no, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were crap last year. They're crap this year. Uh, but Atletico Tucumán. It's a big win considering they lost arguably their two best players, as we mentioned before, Acosta their best player. and Del Pulga. Yeah. Um, uh, Mercier Stevan, I think as long as they still got Mercier there, there's a way. Hmm. He's just so damn good. But he's old as well, and so is Mario. He is Rappers. very old. <laughs> yes. How long this team can actually hold themselves together? How, they how keep many us, times all like, of their keep players forty one ninety minutes? Or forty? Yeah, bloody hell! Um, so, so the energy levels of Atletico Tucumán uh, leave a little bit to um, to be questioned, maybe. But if they're going to go four one up after to be doing it, like, within ten yeah. minutes of the second half kicking off, it might not be that much of an issue. Yeah. Um, and the other one, as Dan says, was Colón versus Argentinos on, El against Argentinos, on um, Monday night, in which Luis Rodriguez waited just 17 minutes before opening his account for Colón. Uh, Leonardo Heredia scored um, in the second half. So well done, Pulga. It's a fantastic pass as well. Like, to play yeah. Absolutely fantastic. It's, we, we could say it's the same way because they finished uh, 2018 because 
Atletico Tucumán continued winning with, without him and he continued playing the way he used to for Colón now. Uh, mm. So it, it was and it, it will be a good uh, test for Atletico Tucumán that appear apparent appears to uh, not having uh, uh, well go down go, go down even when without him without the like he said one of the best players of the Superliga. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip ahead now because normally obviously we do listeners' questions at the end of the episode but uh, John is going to have to leave before much longer um, and he is going to be able to have some input on this. Uh, at the moment he's just gone through to the next room to, to pack his bags um, or to finish doing so. Um, but the, we have had a question from uh, Jamie who says, I would love to hear your thoughts on how Miguel Almiron is going to do in the Premier League. Newcastle have just made him their most expensive signing ever. Did the transfer go through today? I know last night he was travelling to Newcastle. I think, I think he's taken the medical, yeah. He's taken um, the medical. So, I mean, it's, it's happening, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're going to talk uh, about what he looked like in Argentina. And my initial thought is that he's perfectly set up for a counter-attacking side. Which, yeah, he does. You know, a, a, yeah. a Rafa Benitez-style team um, ought to, uh, to be able to make the most of him. Um if they can put away the chances that he's inevitably going to create because he's quick he is quick and yeah he can and hold his own I he's think. done well with Venezuelan strikers he's got a record <laughs> true yeah yes yeah, so Josef Martinez uh, what was it an LS record or something last season yes um, with I don't know if he made 25 or 30 yeah um, and Lanus I mean he, he looked very sharp he was, he was the best player of that championship um, team Mm-hmm. Um, and had uh, had a lot of input, and, and they suffered mm-hmm. when he left. I mean, they, they suffered anyway because they lost some, some key players. But he was the sort of jewel in the crown. I um, think now he's won something like three titles in, or four titles in three countries in five years, something like that. Because he was also a champion for Cerro Porteño. Oh, good grief! When well, he was in yeah, yeah, right, of course he has. Yeah, don't know if it's five years or six years, but. Might be a bit it definitely difficult. wins. Might be a bit difficult to win the next title. Uh, in, that in does look a little no bit outrageous. Yeah. FA Cup, you, are they still in? Pardon? Are they still in the FA Cup? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, could be a title. Score, I was about to look it up on the score up on my phone and then I realised this score up doesn't have the FA Cup, so uh, I can't tell. Uh, could you compare yeah. Newcastle to Lanús, for example? In the way of the, the in, play and the, the no. team, the club? Well, it's a I mean, bigger club. They're, they're, uh, kind of, they're yeah. operating on the counter-attack at the moment. Yeah. So in that respect, uh, if, if he's going to be sort of tucking in as... as uh, to, so to give Newcastle fans an idea, at Lanús, if I remember correctly, he operated kind of on the left of a midfield three and bursting forward. A little bit like how... Kind of had Lautaro really Acosta on one side and Pepe Sandy in the middle, right? Yeah. And Pepe just held the ball up and fed it out to those... Those two yeah, guys. He, he With was, Roman Martinez kind of coming in from deep. Tactically, his role was similar to Angel Di Maria for Argentina in, in the 2014 World Cup. The one he actually played decent. Uh, and when he played well. Um, and for Real Madrid, the, the, the season before that, obviously, I'm not suggesting that he's quite on the same level that Di Maria hit during that 12 months. Um, but uh, in, in terms of the, the shape of the team and his role in it, it was similar to that. So I think that there's probably, although I've not seen an awful lot of Newcastle this season, there's probably room um, to to fit him into the squad there as, as he adapts. And Dan, I saw you earlier were making a point because somebody, I think it was you anyway, mm-hmm. um, had sort of questioned how ready he'd be for the physicality of the Premier League, and, and you were pointing out that actually he's sort of he's not as 
little as, as no, as he's not little at all. He's, he's not pushing five ten almost. Mm-hmm. But he's a big guy. Like you see him, and I think he's a guy as well who like who likes to play upright. Yeah, which kind of some sometimes makes him look a little bit taller than he is. But um, he's a he's a solid he's a solid guy. And he's got broad shoulders, and obviously if. He did well in Argentina. It's because he can take contact. Like no one gets particularly far here if um, if they can't take the odd uh, sliding tackle directly to the kneecap. <laughs> and uh, if he doesn't make it in in England, it's going to be for other reasons than physicality. I think this is just a cliche that the language is complete. Be a problem. The language shouldn't be because a problem. He's been in the states yeah. now for two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah, two seasons. Yeah, twenty. No, there's something about physicality. It's just it's completely outdated, right? Because yeah. if South American players don't make it in in England, and there have been plenty, it's usually because they're just not good enough. It's a very well, or because the club, or because the club, like come over or whatever. Yeah, it's a lot more yeah or just, for lifestyle reasons. You know, you're, yeah. you're not just playing football in a different climate. You're also living in a different climate, oh, totally, a different yeah. culture, and everything. But, um, I mean, have there? I mean. And it, it, this is one of the, the, the points of value that I can see uh, that I've mentioned before about players now maybe increasingly going via MLS first is that clubs, mm. at least from an English point of view, uh, Premier League clubs are going to get a good handle on, OK, can this player adapt to living in a different, in a different culture, in a mm-hmm. different language um, than if they were going to Spain, especially Italy to a lesser extent, which are a little bit more similar uh, obviously, well, Italy arguably culturally more similar to Argentina, but obviously linguistically lesser. Um, uh, before going on there, like how adaptable actually are they? And I think that so far, the evidence that we've got from him is he's able to adapt. Yeah, he hasn't done bad at all. Uh, John, obviously, you've seen more of Miguel Almiron um, than we have over the last. We were just saying while you were in the other room, he's been in MLS for two years, right? Yeah. And how how has he sort of obviously? We have read that he's been a tremendous success, but yeah. how, how actually have you seen him do? No, absolutely. I think he's been critical for an Atlanta team under Tata Martino. I think we'll look back at this as a team that revolutionized Major League Soccer, maybe took it from, you know, we joke around about this being MLS 2.0 and maybe MLS 3.0 as far as, you know, when the league was launched in 1996, you saw okay teams with weird jerseys and... <laughs> and just kind of a goofy culture. Then you saw the league kind of mature, and now I think you're seeing the league really adapt tactically to, to kind of the world game and really being a player on that stage. And I think a player of Amiron's quality, and a player who can demand that kind of transfer fee if the deal does go through as we all think it will. This is the biggest transfer in MLS history, right? It's, it's a, yeah, and, and, and it's, a, it's a huge testament, I think, to what Martino did with Atlanta, but a lot of what he did was thanks in part to Amiron. He paired really, really well with, with Jose Martinez up top. But um, even alone, I think he, he's a player who can really change games. Premier League, obviously, is a very different level as far as the speed of the game, the way you have to think, etc. But he was so much faster than every player in MLS, for the most part, that I think he'll be able to transition his game well. He's a player who needs some space, uh, but on the counter, really just makes things happen. Has a vision that, that is not matched by many players. Finishing still needs some work, but other than that, I think he's a really, really nice player. A player who not only, I think, will be a nice piece for Newcastle, but also 
could be the kind of player who we're looking at in the Copa America, maybe this time, but certainly in four years' time, as a player who can take Paraguay perhaps to a, a different level than they've been on since those Tata Martino teams as well. So I think he's a player who has a really, really bright future and, and can do a whole lot of things well. Uh, he's a guy who, to me, uh, is certainly a Premier League quality, and I think he'll be able to show that. It'll be interesting to find out. Just outside the 90 minutes, and it's fine if you... If the answer to this is no, but do you have any idea whether uh, how much English he's managed to pick up in the States? Because that's going to be mm-hmm. one of the main issues in England. I've, I've only spoken with him in Spanish. Uh-huh. He's a very shy guy, at least from my perception. Quiet, doesn't really speak much, has a big winning smile. And I know that sounds kind of goofy. He does smile a lot, but, yeah. but I think that can go a long way, right? Like Especially uh-huh. to transcending that, that, that barrier, maybe. I do think Tata, you know, his English, I think, was underplayed. Mm-hmm. The fact that he wasn't a, you know, isn't a native English speaker supposedly kept him out of contention for the U.S. job, which in my view is a big mistake, but that's neither here nor there. I think that the, the training sessions in Atlanta, from my impression, were quite multilingual. You had a lot of players who spoke both English and Spanish, and I think that he certainly has, has been able to soak some of that up. And Atlanta, to be honest, as a city, isn't a super Latino city. There is a population there, and there will be tons of fans when Mexico plays there and that sort of thing. But uh, I think getting around, he probably has enough working knowledge of English to make it work. And if it's a real priority, I think he'll be able to pick it up. He's a bright kid. He doesn't like to say much. I think he's very guarded with the press. And like I said, I think some of that is just the fact that I think he's a shy person. Yeah. But I think that, honestly, that smile and the sort of willingness to sort of put his head down and figure things out will serve him well. And, and while I don't think his English is, is, you know, get off the plane and do an interview, hmm. uh, I do think it's going to be okay as far as figuring out what's happening. And he does Rafa Benitez right, right now. Like, he should was, be fine. I was just thinking, yeah. yeah. I, as I was asking the question, it occurred to me. Of course, his new manager also speaks Spanish yeah. as well. I think well. I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. To me, he seems like a really adaptable guy, a really smart guy. And like I said, on the field, uh, he's been, if not the the best player, certainly one of the best in Major League Soccer for the past couple of years. Thank you, John. Um, on anyway, that note, sorry, oh, but there sorry, is a, a clear example, an obvious example, impossible not to bring it that about Tevez uh, playing a lot of years in England and not. Uh, not knowing even three words in English, but he was great in in, in the matches, and, and perhaps oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if if you have the talent, then you can always yes. overcome it. But I do think it's it's pretty crucial to uh, yes. to adapt to the culture and, and yeah, it's helpful. Cases it's never going to be a bad. So I don't see from there. Have also been sort of converse things where, for instance, Seba Veron is a really good example of somebody who never really seemed to catch up with the language that well didn't particularly seem to enjoy living in England and, and never hit the heights that he ought to have done yeah ironically yeah, just well getting by berated as an English yeah <laughs> and partly as well through the fault of his managers who didn't appear to grasp very well how to use him in a Premier League context he was brilliant for United in the Champions League but not so great in, in the league um, and then obviously for Chelsea where, whereas he was much happier and now, it's the, now the, there will be the same situation I think exact same situation with Piri Martinez Mm. He was a, a quite similar player to Almiron, and uh, he must speak English the same way Almiron speaks. Yeah, uh, that, that's going to be a, a subject for a, possibly another podcast next time John's down, because I know that John has to go right now. So on that note, we've also been recording for much longer than I was expecting to for this first half. So on that note, um, we will call a half-time break. We're going to refill our glasses. John's going to, um, to get the cab down to the airport. Uh, and we'll be back after this to discuss more listeners' questions and to talk about, oh, the Sudamericano Sulbente, that's the other thing mm-hmm. we have to talk about. So don't go anywhere. 
Welcome back to the second half. John has uh, eventually successfully managed to get an Uber to the airport. Um, unless you're listening from the offices of the Argentine Tax Authority, in which case he got a normal taxi. Yes. Not an Uber. Um, anyway, uh, we have a couple of things to discuss. The first of which is the Copa... Uh, the Copa? No, the, the Sudamericano Sub-20, the Campeonato Sudamericano Sub-20. Last week, when we left... Argentina under 20s, they had lost their. Oh, no, hang on, they'd drawn one and, and lost one, hadn't they? Interesting yes. two games, and it was going to be an uphill struggle to qualify. They ended up qualifying uh, for the final round. They won 1 0 against Uruguay and then 1 0 against Paraguay. No, sorry, against uh, Peru. Peru, thank you. Um, with two. I have to admit, I actually managed to miss both games because I forgot what yeah, taking place, but, but with two, what, what I read afterwards were quite impressive performances. And. Um, it was last night, wasn't? No, it was on Sunday night. The um, no, it was last night. The final phase game, yeah, against Ecuador last night. It was on yes. Tuesday evening, um, because now there are th- in the final phase there are three days between games, and I was getting confused about how long it passed and when the next one is. Um, on Tuesday evening, uh, they lost two one against Ecuador in a match which was a, a case of quite poor game management. I thought really, yeah, they, they started really well. The first half it was. All Argentina, really. They deserve to go ahead. And, yeah, they just took their eye off the ball. I think they started playing Ecuador's game, which didn't suit them at all, which was kind of more fast and furious, booting upfield, not taking control of possession. Yeah, kind of naive performance, would you say? If, in that, if that's yeah, the case. Yeah, and, and also wasteful, because really I thought, well, they were 1-0 up. Um, or even before they were 1-0 up, they should have scored again. Or yes. they should have scored earlier and, and, yeah. and then again you know it, it shouldn't have been it definitely shouldn't have been 1-1 at half time but you know the free kick uh, that Ecuador equalised from if I remember right it was in first half stoppage time or if not then, then quite shortly before right it right at the end of the first half um, so that's kind of one of those things that can happen but in particular it's one of those things that you leave yourself open to if you fail to capitalise on dominance indeed um, and Argentina were dominating for, for quite uh, long bits of the first half and then, yeah, as you say, Don, I would agree with your second half summary, really. What are the remaining fixtures uh, looking like for it? I know they have Colombia, Brazil, and Uruguay. I just don't know in what order. Let's have a look. And one more, uh, right? Because there's five see. games. Uh, you can do this. The last team is. I will get here. Peru? Uh, I'm desperately trying to find that down. Oh, here we are. Right. Uh, the remaining fixtures are... It's Venezuela, the other two. Um, oh, the remaining course, yeah. fixtures I are... I said Venezuela, so, I'm sorry. On Friday afternoon, they play Colombia. On Monday uh, night, at 10 past 10 at night, that's going to be the latest kickoff of the tournament so far, I think. They, they play Venezuela. No, uh, Venezuela and Uruguay kicked off at that time. Oh, okay. Um, at 5.30 next Thursday, they play Uruguay in the Clásico. And then the final game is uh, the small matter of a match against Brazil at 10 to 8 on Sunday the 10th of February. So that is in... Um, oh, it's a week this Sunday, isn't it? So it's like in a week yes. and a half's time. Um, as I said, there are three games rather than two... Three days rather than two days between matches now. Um, that will be at the same time when Superliga will be being played. It will be, yeah. Yes, uh, prime time. Um, it, it's it's kind of a, a trick. Argentina, 
having got to the, 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 the final phase, they're definitely not contenders, I don't think, for the title, the way that they're playing. But it, you would think that with the individual talent in the team, if they can pick themselves up from, from this defeat to Ecuador... They should be able to still aim at, at World Cup qualification, shouldn't they? Yeah, I think what the Suramanigana has shown us up to now is that it's a very open tournament. Um, you can't point to any of the traditional big teams in, in South America, your Brazils, your Argentinas, your Uruguays, having any kind of dominance over the others. Uh, Brazil, I think, have looked very pedestrian, and Uruguay well, Pretty lucky to come away with a draw uh, against Venezuela the other day, I think. Um, possibly Venezuela have, have looked at least the most consistent team, the best put together team so far. Um, they've only been they've only lost once, which was a fairly uh, fortuitous victory for Brazil, thanks to two goals from Rodrigo, mm. the future Real Madrid's signing. Uh, apart from that, they won their other three. Uh, group A games and then they were yeah as I say they kind of lost it late on against Uruguay on, on Tuesday's late kickoff. Um, apart from that um, I think all of the six teams are pretty well matched um, Argentina have to be looking to get into the top four I mean that's that's yes. basic right um, the, you're saying they're playing Colombia next? Yeah, yeah. Colombia on Friday yeah, that's a game they they have to win really because I'd say out of the six teams left in the in the final phase, Colombia have I wouldn't say they're the weakest, but they're kind of the team that have shown least so far. Yeah, the the other results on the opening day of the final phase, uh, by the way, were Brazil nil, Colombia nil, um, and Venezuela one, Uruguay one, as Dan just mentioned. Yeah. Um, that was so, interesting in um, that game last night because. Um, Batista, the, the Argentina coach, he didn't start Maroni. I think Maroni even got on the pitch in the end. Mm. He didn't start Gage, who's been the number nine for most of the tournament, and Colidio, the Inter guy, didn't start. Yeah, Gage so, and Colidio both yeah. came on in the second half. Colidio actually came on with only 10 minutes to go. Yeah, one thing we should um, take into account here is that yeah. the sort of Minicano is also about endurance. These are kids who don't, who aren't accustomed to kind of full on football every, you know, week in, week out. Mm. And kind of squad management is very important. I saw last night. I don't know if you saw any of the the Uruguay Venezuela game. No. Like even before half time, the Uruguay players were drenched in sweat, <laughs> and that was the latest kickoff in a country where it does get a bit chillier. Sorry for the pun. Yeah. Um, in the evening. Yeah. The games where you play at half five must be hell because it's really uh, the sun's really beating down in Rancagua these days. Indeed. So. You, yeah, as far as that, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You've got four games in in the next ten days, almost, and and yes. you've got to you've got to use the players well, and you've also got to get the results. It's a, a very fine, he very fun to, to include Colidio, but has more minutes, so to give him more minutes because there were two matches he were, was inserted into the matches. Mm. It was only ten minutes yeah. each. Mm. Uh, of course, you wonder if would it be saving him for the final phase, maybe like but trying to keep him fresh. Uh, Colidio would that be part of the thinking trying to save Possibly. him keep him, yeah, keep him I mean, fresh he's one of the main talents in the, yes. in the attack isn't at it? this so. point uh, it's obvious that Batista prefers Gaich and Romero and uh, Gaich and Romero instead of, of, of Colidio perhaps uh, and well now it will have to change because it was only three goals in 
in four matches mm -hmm. for Argentina, right? Uh, yeah. With Leitch being a bit nervous, having quite uh, a, a great number of chances and, and perhaps, well, not hitting the ball properly made him waste them. Um, and I think Ecuador is also a great team in this, so American at least, showing great uh, yeah. or talented players at, le at least from the midfield. They've been impressive, yeah. yeah. They've definitely been impressive. Um, another thing that we'll mention off the pitch, and we're only going to mention this very briefly, but I, I feel that it, it feels like a big enough story uh, to, to discuss, even though we don't have an awful lot to say about it, um, is that Argentina's uh, government have been downgrading lots of things, mm -hmm. uh, including most notably um, the health ministry has been downgraded to a health agency, which secretary. has uh, secretary, thank you, uh, which has lots of um, things to do with funding and, and the way that it's run and, and importance yes. attached to it. Um, and one thing that they did just uh, yesterday or today, I think it was in the early hours of this morning, mm -hmm. um, is they have downgraded the Secretary of Sport and turned it into an agency of sport instead. There are lots of um, journalists who cover the games here uh, talking about how this could be another way for the current government to introduce privatisation into Argentine football. Um, there are lots of people who, who cover other sports um, in Argentina who are particularly worried about what it's going to do to funding for their sports because, of course, uh, we're kind of in a one-sport nation in many ways in terms of the actual political influence of, of most of these sports, even though in, in terms of who practices them, it's very much a multi-sport nation. Um, so watch this space and, and we might have a bit more detail as, as that develops um, but it's something that's happened we will now move on to listeners questions um, Jushin Thunderlager says do you think Martinez Cuarta has what it takes to make it to the very top and the same of Nicolas de la Cruz as you may guess on a flat <laughs> river to, to de la Cruz I'm just going to say a flat no, um, no, no. he tries hard uh, but yeah and apparently there is uh, an offer or that rumors that appear that uh, Pumas want from Mexico want uh, De La Cruz. Mm. Uh, Maybe should bite their hands off. Put a little ball on him. Even having just lost Gonzalo, uh, yes. Gonzalo Martinez, they, they should still take it. But um, I think the more interesting question is about Martinez Cuarta. Um, we will see. He's he, been promising. But. He had some uh, lack of accuracy in the last matches, yeah. especially when, when he had to to. Uh, put the team forward with, with of course with the ball and, and uh, apart from marking he has been showing that uh, which is of course something to take into account since Maidana was a leader in the, in the back yeah. not anymore and will have to uh, Gallardo will have to see how he uh, manages himself to build a solid defense with Martinez Cuarta Rojas and Pinola hmm. uh, because this was the thing, I, I thought he was really promising when he first broke into the River team, um, but then he got to, he became very much second choice to Maidana and Pinola, who were the first choice partnership. And he had that business either with one the, of them yeah. was out, Martinez quite. He had that business with the suspension but, too, right? Which was oh, with the yeah, yeah, the doping yeah. suspension, yeah. Um, was three months, four and, months, and it kind of it was eight, I think, eight or something yeah. around there. It was a bit more than three or four, I think, but I might mm. be misremembering. But at any rate, it, that kind of seemed to arrest his development somewhat, and he, he's. Stuttered a bit since coming back into the team, I thought. Yeah. Yes. Uh, of course, this made Sevilla be in the, in the, in, the, in some matches, proving he still is uh, uh, not for the first division. At least, is my opinion. 
So it will be a mix of things which will decide whether he's or, or not uh, yeah. uh, with the uh, is his Addis or not because of course he has to replace Maidana who during eight years what was uh, uh, the 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 like we say here the fighter or the the one who who uh, was always uh, in the first team now he's not and, and what well, is. Replacing him is not easy, of course. Yeah, we'll move on because we've had lots of questions, so we're going to try to get through them reasonably quickly to try and keep this podcast relatively uh, <laughs> succinct. No Art says, Do Super, uh, does the Superliga have plans to ditch the points average relegation system in the near future? He, he's got a couple of other questions, but really quickly. So the answer to that one is yes. Mention possibly from 2020 onwards. Yeah, but, but they keep Nothing saying concrete. Yeah. They keep saying publicly that that's the idea. Yeah. I think they're going to start phasing it out possibly in the next year or two. Uh, it's going to be phased down to two seasons and then they're going to get rid of it altogether. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't be in existence for much longer. Uh, he says, can we give a close-up on the finances of the Super League and the club budgets? Um, no, not really. Because they're, they're, <laughs> no. they're rather opaque, yeah. I'm afraid. And that's a story for another dedicated podcast. If, if you want a particularly broad view, then nobody's really got any money. Uh, apart yeah. from Bocca. Exactly. <laughs> um, in relation to a recent article about Racing, can you comment on that? Trying to implement a scouting system and what other clubs try to keep up with modern football. I'm guessing that the article he mentions about Racing is Rory Smith's one in the New York Times, um, which I'm guessing Miguel you've Delenis read as well. Pardon? And Miguel Delenis. Oh, the, go on, they're all the doing it. simultaneously, yeah. Because well, they went down to... Uh, oh, I course, they both the went down day. when they were down here, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so, Dan, I'm guessing that you've read these. I haven't done, um, as I just demonstrated. Yeah, um, I've been aware like it's no secret that in Racing for the last couple of years they've had uh, Diego Melito in charge of what they call the Secretaria Tecnica the, sec- the Technical Secretariat which is essentially um, another way of saying kind of the director of football's office mm. Melito has a group of guys with him who are very kind of tuned into world football who uh, are good with metrics and data and analytics and all that kind of stuff, which which is important these days, and they use it to um, to in theory pick the best uh, transfer targets out there and bring them in. Um, I can comment more on the results of the the last year, which because I think Melito only came in at this kind of with Caudet. I've seen a couple of guys who said that yeah, the timing was quite. Close together. Yeah, I think in both Rory and Miguel's piece, they kind of got the timing a little bit off. They said once he retired, he took up this this spot. But as far as I know, he took the big job only once Cocker had gone. And mm. I hope so, because the yeah, that's, that's transfers under Cocker were absolutely atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, it's it's a good thing to have, to have in place, but we have to take into account right? nothing... Uh, says success like success right uh, Racing are good now and are organised because they're having success in the field we've said the same thing in recent years about Vélez about Lanús about uh, several other clubs and and it doesn't last forever and obviously a lot of Racing's model is still based on this whole thing of bringing through youth players like Lautaro Martinez and Luciano Vieto in recent years and then selling them on for a massive profit uh, that's obviously still very, very important for Racing, and I'm sure this year 
you're probably looking at guys like Matias Saracho and Renzo Sarabia uh, being sold on as well. For, uh, well, in Sarabia's case, for a massive profit, and in Zaracho's case, you know, as a guy from the youth team, all profit. Um, for that reason, I find it hard to kind of make sweeping statements about, ah, yeah, this is a, a European model, but but they're having brilliant success. Um, it's based on a system which isn't ideal, which means you know, constant renovation and renewal of the of the playing staff and selling your best players. But but it's what you got to work with in in Argentina, and I think Milito understands that. Of course, he was one of these guys who was sold to to pay debts and whatnot, and he knows how it works. He also knows a lot about football. He's a very intelligent man, and yeah, so far he's he's been fantastic in that role. Mm. Uh, if you can hear any drilling in the background, I think that hopefully the microphone's turned down too low to pick it up, but I can only apologise. One of Dan's neighbours has decided that 25 past 8 at night is an appropriate time to I start mean, yeah. a power drill. Why wouldn't you hear that? It's infuriating with that. What do you do at half 8 at night? So. Ronnie Mazumda, I record podcasts. Uh, Ronnie Mazumda says, what do you guys think about Argentina under-20s performance so far? On paper, there are talents and still not the best versions coming out as a team. I hope that we've just answered that one, Ronnie, because we don't really have any more time to go into it. Jamie asks about Miguel Almiron, the question that we answered earlier with John here. Um, Erland says, the big winners and losers from the Superliga transfer window? Winners... I mean, we'll find out in the next couple of months, won't we? Who plays yeah. well and who doesn't? I think the, the big winner of the, of the first round of 2019 was Patronato. He signed Avalos <laughs> and something <laughs> from Lodi Cruz and scored. Yeah, a long time since Patronato been winners in anything. So, mm. yeah, something like that. I like the business Racing have done. I've, I, was, uh, I was content more than anything. Like, I think uh, Racing and Defensa were probably the winners because they're at the top of the table and they get their team. Yeah. Simple as that. The losers in Dependiente, probably. Until we see how they go. I think they brought Particularly in... Particularly because players keep leaving and then talking about what an arsehole the manager is. Yeah, that's I mean, not ideal. They're so losing twice now. Yeah. But they brought in uh, Cecilio Dominguez, uh, I think it's a parallel yeah. international from some club in Mexico. America. Good to have John here right now mm-hmm. from America. Yes. He might be good, let's see. Yeah. I think that the... Uh, and, and he confirmed this this round. Uh, in the previous we could have said uh, La Pulga um, for Colón. Moving El Pulga, El Pulga, La Pulga de Messi. Well, so, so. <laughs> yes, El Pulga. Yeah. Oh, the, the Pulga Chu, La Pulga Chu, or those. El Pulga and La Pulga. You don't have to. Yeah. Well, Rodriguez, they both have equal fit in Luis Rodriguez, uh, I think, is a big movement uh, for Colón. Colón did some good business, actually. Well, they also signed somebody else as well. They, they did. They I can't remember who, but they played well. Like, yeah. you know, got a good result. Yeah. Uh, Nick Turner says, how do you guys think Alexis McAllister will adapt to English football when he makes a move to Brighton in the summer? Presumably they'll be in the Premier League still. Um, well, bad, all right. I mean, it's so hard he's to been, say, though. He's been uh, Argentino's second best McAllister brother so far this season, I mm. think. I think that their best player has been Kevin, who's the left-back who Bocco mm. have just signed. Um, I, I like more Alexis, me, sorry. But, but, uh, but he's, he's done well. Yeah, so yes. far, how how he's gonna be in the Premier League? I've no but idea. I mean, Boca will sign every good player that is around, mm-hmm. and, and of course, Kevin. All of the Madridistas I think are good. Francis perhaps is the third one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Francis might get more playing time actually once um, once Alexis leaves because Francis is is not the same kind of midfielder, but he's also a central midfielder. So once Alexis goes, 
they're going to have to jiggle the central midfield around a bit and maybe Francis will get a bit more playing time. Would you say to tie into the previous subject that their father, Carlos, was the Secretary of Sport, which now yeah. no longer exists until December? He, he was, yes, and he'd just been replaced yeah. and now they've dissolved it all together. So. And the guy who replaced him has the most fantastic name I in the entire world. I forgot, go on. Diogenes Urquiza de Urquiza. De... Yeah. No, it's, it's Diogenes. Oh, in that case, something... put it down incorrectly. They, they, they just reported it as Diogenes de Urquiza. Uh, he's which... got two surnames, and one of them is Urquiza. I can't remember, but Diogenes, fantastic. Diogenes. Uh, anyway, yeah, we, we can't. I mean, it, it's one thing to be a number 10 in this league, and it's another thing to be a kind of creative midfielder in England um, with, as John just hinted, Almiron's going to have, with less time on the ball. Um, and all the rest of it and, and with no intermediate sort of level to, to play in, in between it's hard to say it could go very well he might surprise a few people and he certainly has talent and a lot of it again I hate to go on and having just asked how Miguel Armiron's English is and stuff for example but I do think adaptation to the new culture is as important to performances um, and we just don't know how he's going to do that I have no idea whether the family speak any English no, um, I can't imagine. I'm guessing not they've been in for, for a long time in spite of the surname and in spite of the fact that they're all like 100% Scottish by blood. Um, very ginger. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and, and see. There think. were these memes with McAllister and Home Alone. That was Kevin. Yes, yeah. that was Kevin. Because, yeah. because of okay. Kevin moved to Lopez. Yes. Mm. Uh, Arch Bell says, early thoughts on the Hernan Crespo era at Banfield? It's very, very early. early. <laughs> <laughs> he drew the first game so they scored really early yeah. so that was going well and then not quite so well because yeah. they considered an equaliser so break even for now yeah, yeah. Uh, ask us again in another month or two Arch uh, Lawrence Hart says will the threatened banning of Panis from outside Buenos Aires Stadium signal the death of Argentine football as we know it yes of if course if you want more detail on this then you should listen to Hand of Pod Extra this week um, but uh, I can't remember whether Lawrence is actually a patron or not I think he is in case we can gone, say we can make it short and say yes. This will yeah. kill not just Argentine football, but probably all football. Yes, it, it's a, a knife to the heart of it. Yes. Uh, Lawrence also says, has Alexis McAllister represented Argentina at any level? <laughs> if not, will we see the Scottish FA trying to fast track a British passport application for him if he is success? If he is a success in English football, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Scottish FA have a guy. Oh, yeah. I don't think they have. I'd be more surprised much. than if it was say the Irish FA. Mm-hmm. who will talk to anybody who's drunk a pint of Guinness um, but uh, yeah as we kind of just hinted did they approach you Sam with your your very Irish surname uh, no they never no. have done no. um, sure. it's Manx though actually it's not Irish oh, is that right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they never actually um, um, he's not actually eligible no obviously I because they've been it for too long um, and obviously a British passport is a harder thing to get than an Irish one I'd say slightly tongue-in-cheek because I'm currently going for an Irish one and not finding it particularly easy because I live in a different country from my brother and went finding it difficult to get a response from the passport people as to how we therefore go about applying. Um, Racing Club UK says, Hello, lads, keep up the great work. Is the signing of Svitanich the best work done in the window? Mm, I've got to put El Bulga first because I love him. Yeah. Uh, he says, Darren had worried, Darren, of course, being the person who runs Racing Club UK, he's just talking about himself in the third person, had worried that he might be the second coming of the El Tanque Pavone. <laughs> who was your call for the best signing in the window? Well, we've Dan's answered that one already. Um, and I'm going to say, give it another couple of, give it another month. We can't give it a couple of months because a couple of months the season will be over. It'll be too late. 
Um, it's, a, it's a fine line, you know, very limited window we've got this, this mini mini stretch. Yeah, they, they, six month contracts don't mean an awful lot, at least from the league point of view. Obviously, that's the Super League yeah. Cup afterwards. But Even for, for this, I don't remember if we have discussed this uh, when the, 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 the season started. Of course, I think we didn't because the season started and we we were in the same position like, like we are now. Uh, but I think that so far, the best signing for the transfer window since the, the, the 2018-2019 season started is mm. the one who had already done, who then, then had already said he's a god. He's most influential, yeah. Darren Paul um, tweeted from his own account. It's getting very, he's tweeted another one from Racing Club UK after this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> says, I was off work sick the other day and had a hankering to watch Union 3 Racing 6 from around 2015. Are there any classic games? It was tremendous that you lads revisit from time to time. I don't have no. time. <laughs> no, not really. I, I occasionally want to reminisce a little bit and, and try and look up the uh, Champions League matches for Man United in the 98-99 <laughs> season. But oh, really? uh, I never actually get around to doing so. No. so we were five no. Poland four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Racing Club UK again. Hello again, Darren. Says, how fantastic <laughs> was it to see away fans having a good time by the sea? Is it our imagination or did Racing fans outnumber other City fans in the arena and how close or far are we from seeing away fans uh, on a regular basis? Hope it's sooner rather than later. They did. I believe uh, the official attendance was 24,000 in Mar del Plata and Racing took a contingent of 16,000. So they were comfortably... Which is no the surprise, numerous given, fans. given that they're a far bigger club and that a lot of their fans are probably on holiday in Madrid Plata still. Yeah, yeah, top of the league, a weekend yeah. in Madrid Plata, why the hell wouldn't you go? Exactly. Unless you're working like an idiot. Yeah. But a lot of people uh, might have been there because they were on vacation. Hmm. We have to remember that... At this I think, it's almost like a no, I think since the, since the fixtures have been available since the start of the season, they probably thought, all oh, right. Racing are playing an away game in Mar del Plata end of the uh, end of January. Yeah. Let's combine it. Yeah. But of that, that's, that's what they're saying. I mean, it, it's it's like a torneo de verano in, in that. You yeah. Look at the torneo de verano fixtures and in the games in Mar del Plata. You say right. Well, if you're a River fan and they're playing on this weekend, then mm-hmm. you've got to make sure you're there for that and, yeah, and yeah. so on. Um, yeah. Uh, Darren then asks again from his own account. I may have asked this before. I I think he has. <laughs> But do any of you lads support the other teams at your club? For example, Sammy, you want to, are you a big one for Rivers basketball team? I'm going to repeat again that I'm a sympathiser rather than a proper fan, so that would be better directed at Andres. Um, but in short, I suspect that the answer is going to be no. No. Both well, I, I liked and played tennis, and I know that Gabriela Sabatini was found, or was a River. Mm. A com- com- uh, he, she played for River uh, when he was... Uh, clubs uh, tournaments of course then he she played for w, WTA but uh, I don't follow them or at least basket or volley team uh, round by round but uh, yes uh, I know that that Sabatini is the, the best tennis player in the history of our, for Argentina uh, was a River fan and he played for River uh, no <laughs> there we go, that's that one. Uh, Darren adds, I try to catch racing basketball games when I can and obviously represent them at top level British games and he's given uh, a photograph here uh, to us um, of himself holding up a vest 
from wrestling's basketball team at what I'm guessing is a top-level British basketball game. Um, do we have any more questions? We've got two new notifications. Let's load them. Your browser's being quite slow down. Yeah, it happens. Oh, for God's sake. Internet hasn't... No, we don't have any more questions. Ah. They've just popped up. It's just people liking other people's questions. Ah, So, thank you very much for those questions. Um, If you're a Hand of Pod Patreon listener, then you've already got a Hand of Pod extra episode that we recorded before this one. We've done it the wrong way around this week. Uh, I will just add, however, if you're thinking of becoming a Patreon listener... Um, but you want to dip a toe in the water first or if you want to give us some money but you can't afford the full five dollars uh, each month to become a patron um, for the uh, all of the uh, episodes of Handapod Extra that we record I opened up a new tier a few days ago um, and that tier is at two dollars a month um, and it gives you access to two each month of the Hand of Pod Extras that I record on Sunday evenings on my own, talking about the main talking points from the weekend on the pitch. Um, talking about the main talking points? Yes, discussing the main talking points. <laughs> Thank you for editing it up. Um, so that, you know, it, it's essential. We had a couple of, of, of people, we've had, I think, two or three people have sort of signed up at, at the $2 um, level since we started. Uh, one or two of them are now in the $5 tier because they've upgraded and, and it sort of occurred to me that I should do something to say you know, thank you to you people as well because um, obviously we realise that not everybody can afford to, to give $5 a month you might already be supporting other podcasts there might be other reasons that you either can't afford to or just don't fancy it um, so you'll get two per month It'll be I'll try and do one in the first half of the month and one in the second it'll just be at random the ones that I release um, twice a week to uh, the Hand of Pod Extra channel uh, will be randomly um, I'll, I'll just kind of uh, put, put one up every couple of weeks um, on there as well uh, so thank you very much indeed if you want to become part of this then you can go to patreon.com slash hand of pod um, and if you don't then that's fine please uh, share us on Twitter or Facebook on whatever other social networks you use it's a pleasure to talk to you each week for now thank you and goodbye You're from not doing Mystic Sam oh Mystic Sam oh bloody yeah. hell I forgot about Mystic Sam oh. damn it yes after this music, you'll hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come, as if you gave a toss about them. Thank you for reminding me for that, Andres. Uh, Mystic Sam, here we go. This weekend, I'm not going to predict either Rivers game against San Martín de San Juan which kicks off in about 20 minutes um, or no that's wrong no you got that yeah, River are playing who? God I Cruz who was a Cruz team at least or Boca's game away to San Martín de San Juan which is on Thursday night I'm, this is just for the 17th round of Super League games which starts on Friday so here we go Gimnasia versus Tigre I think is going to be a draw uh, Tacheres versus Banfield I think he's also going to be a draw. Mm-hmm. San Martín de Tucumán against Defensa Justicia is a Defensa Justicia yeah. win. San Lorenzo, I think, are going to narrowly beat Independiente. I feel like I'm sticking my neck out there, but I don't know which way it's going to go. Argentinos Juniors uh, against Belgrano, I fancy to be an Argentinos win with Alexis Macalister scoring a hat-trick. Lanús versus Colón. Good grief, there are some uninspiring fixtures this weekend. I can't see a single one that I'm going to be watching on Saturday if I had the choice. Uh, Lanús versus Colón is going to be a Colón win. Luis Rodriguez is going to prove the difference there, I think. Five goals? 
possibly. Rosario Central against Aldo Civi, I think, is a Central victory. Boca Juniors on Sunday host Godoy Cruz, and I think Boca will win it. Union against Newells, I think Maxi Rodriguez is going to inspire Newells to an away win there. Racing versus Huracan is a Racing win. Beles versus River is the way River are playing at the moment. I'm going for a Beles win. And on Monday evening, Patronato versus Atletico Tucumán, I think it's an Atletico Tucumán win. And San Martín de San Juan versus Estudiantes de la Plata. I'm going to go for an Estudiantes win there. I'm not blown away by this weekend's fixture. Let's have it just. Sunday's looking alright, but. Sun, Sunday's alright. Saturday yeah. looks deeply missable, man. So, <laughs> uh, and Friday evening, other than San Martin against Defensive Odisia. Uh, I can't see very much to get excited about there. Possibly if you're really interested in how Crespo gets along at Banfield. Uh, so I'm sure Arch Bell will be watching that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, God, Saturday's just. Oh no. Saludos Independiente, they were on the grab, not right now. Exactly, it's, it's not very often that you look at a fixture list including two of the big five playing one game and, and think, oh no, I don't want to watch that. But that, at the moment, uh, looks like it. Although Independiente, I guess, have, always have the, the potential to burst into life, but they haven't shown it recently. Rather anyway, burst into flames, that have been... Now we follow Pérez, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was it. Uh, this has been a longer podcast than it was supposed to be, for which I apologise, but thanks very much for listening. Uh, we've already done the big outro and the thing about the Patreon, so um, please pay attention to that and, and go and uh, be patrons to us or, or share us on social media and whatnot, if not. Uh, and thank you very much. Goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. From English, Dan. Goodbye and thank you for listening. And from me, goodbye. As we um, said earlier, sort of, I forgot to actually mention uh, that I'd be reading this score out, but we did mention earlier that there was a game going on. Um, Godoy Cruz versus River Plate has now finished. River fielded a full-strength team, taking the match seriously uh, for the first time um, in in some time, and it would appear that they're back. They won 4-0 in Mendoza, two goals from Lucas Prato, one from Rafael Santos Borre and one from debutant Matias Suarez, the new signing from Belgrano.